0: crowd, and williams Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is
1: good! Gamecock fans welcome home. Let's see how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to roost. us <laughs> Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? The Cops have won this game!
2: Here are your hosts... J.C. Sherbert. I oh, watch him
1: celebrate
2: now. Bill Molonec. My wife
3: doesn't like hang around Luke
2: and Jamie Bradford. I'm
3: going to you, you look like you John joined enjoying- Doug <laughs> Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning, welcome aboard, and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sunorama Studios and built by the Co. the BarndominiumCo.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. You heard that right. It is a dream. If you've never been to that website, please, I'm begging you, if you have any thoughts that you might one day build a house. Start to gather them now because that is where you want to start. I promise you. The BarndominiumCo.com. They have not been named one of the nation's best builders for no reason at all. They're the best of the best of the best, and they are Gamecock-owned and operated. Any sign that you need, they're also the best. That's why Signorama and Matt Vaughn partner with the University of South Carolina. They are the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks and us here as well. Make sure you check them out at com, located in West Columbia. JC is uh, getting some things together this morning from a work standpoint, and uh, we're going to try to get him to pop in, but he might have to miss today as well. It's uh, it's kind of the nature of the beast sometimes. That's part of the reason why we've got a three-man crew around here. So Phil Mullinax and myself can take you all the way home to 1 o'clock if we don't get JC, but we will be joined by a couple of mics. Haney is one. Michael Haney, former producer at 107.5 The Game in Columbia, songwriter and singer now in Nashville. He is a huge Gamecock fan. He is also very well, very much still tied into the South Carolina football, baseball, basketball, and athletics side of things, even from Nashville, just like Patrick Davis. And he's going to join us at noon because today his second single was released, Easy. Easy. And uh, so we'll get his. Um, we'll let Haney tell us about that, but also talk to him about Carolina football. He's a pretty good voice when it comes to the Gamecocks. And then immediately following will be Michael Flint, former wide receiver. As we continue our coverage of preseason, we are three weeks away from everybody hitting the road for Charlotte, and that is where the Tar Heels of North Carolina and the Gamecocks of the real Carolina will kick off at 7:30 on ABC. Saturday night, September the 2nd. Phil, I cannot wait for that. We'll also, uh, JC, if he misses it, that's fine. We'll get one from him next week. But a couple of bold SEC predictions we'll squeeze into the program today. And if any of you haven't seen it yet, I would highly suggest that you go check out the untold Do- Johnny Manziel documentary. It's really good. Um, it is really detailed from him, himself. He tells you the truth about the skimming drug tests at Texas A&M and how much money blew. And I mean, it's it's pretty wild. So on that, what documentary would you like to see of any athlete that you've ever watched at the University of South Carolina? Is there one athlete, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, that you would say, I would like to see an untold documentary based on this guy? Or this gal that wore the garnet in black. So chew on that and spill it into the Nanospores chat box, and we will make sure to plug your comments into our programming. With all that said, Mad Dog is fired up and ready to go because it's Friday and he's had a long
2: week. What's up, man? Oh, doing well, doing well. You're right. Been a long week this week. Yeah, <laughs> we made it. We made it. So, yeah, looking forward to talking some bold predictions here. I've been trying to pick something that's fairly decent, but... Uh, oh, yeah. I've got mine. So I've, I've had January. it for a while. Have you really yeah. <laughs> been kicking that one around? Uh No, yeah. I didn't even have to kick
3: it around. It's it, The word bold stands out to me. So I yeah. said, you know, <laughs> I, if someone says be bold, okay, let's do it. I'll be bold. Let's, I've got one. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with South Carolina,
2: though. Uh no, yeah. I, I was trying to avoid South Carolina on a bold prediction because I don't like to, you know, I don't want to... Don't no get aggregated like that, right? Yeah,
3: no. I um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stay with the Homer, Homer thing. I'll, I'll, I'll go bold. I will go bold. I will go bold. I promise you that. We'll get to it here, coming up in just a little bit. No shocker here, Phil. By the way, uh, let's see. We already, I just mentioned this, not even a minute ago. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven responses in less than a minute. Keep going, and almost all of them are Steven Garcia. God, that's the uh, obvious
2: answer isn't it
3: yeah it is i i, I mean i think it, i think that it is and i think that steven would probably one day be open to doing something like that when his children were old enough to to handle it steven right. is he's a really good dad and you know he's really open about uh who he was and what he did and didn't do and what he should or should not have done he will be the first one to tell you you don't have to listen to idiots like me talk about Steven Garcia's life. He'll tell you before I do. But he, his main thing in life is being dad. Period. And uh so he doesn't in- want anything at all to to um you know th- disrupt the lives of Memphis his son or you know his his daughter now he's got a new daughter. He's got three children. So maybe one day, maybe one day we'll have to, we'll we'll get Stephen on at some point in time. I'll ask him if he'd do a documentary. Be interested here.
2: Yeah, I, he'd probably be down with it. But I agree with you; it, it's going to be after uh, the kids are old enough to to completely understand it.
3: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's it's that's amazing because we. If you don't know Stephen and Pat DeMarco, and I joked about him on Monday here, but if you don't know him, you, you, what you do know of him is what you saw and what you heard of him while he was at Carolina, of course, since then, you know, he's all over social media and things like that. Um, but if you've never actually spent time around him, yet, it, it you would be surprised, I guess, is what I'm getting at here, that he's, you're like, man, this cat, he is like, cool is duh, like he is a cool guy, but he's uh he's a good man. You know, and I think that's one of the great compliments in life when you can call that's a good man right there. He's a good man. He's made some dumbass decisions, but he's a good man. And um so yeah. Let's see. Nick said Zeb Nolan. That would be a that would be a good one.
2: Um let's see It'd be here. good to be, get a like a whole behind the scenes story of that season, man. All of the quarterbacks, you know, that whole situation. Just really dig into that.
3: Yeah, yeah, it would. That would. uh You're talking about
2: like a, a an actual story, not like a documentary. No, I mean, well, you could like do it like documentary. So I'm like, yeah, like, like a behind the music kind of thing, you know? where <laughs> you get set up, you go through the year, and then you kind of look back on it. Where are they now? How everybody is? Where everybody's landed since then, and what they're doing?
3: Yeah, yeah, it would be. <laughs> You you think back, man, to that season and the quarterback situation, and you wonder how on planet Earth did they win seven games?
2: It's a wonder.
3: I mean, really, seriously, <laughs> it, it's it's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you really stop and think about it. We had a Dell Wilkes in there. Bobby said Dell yeah, Wilkes. That. that would probably be pretty. And, and you know what, Bobby? I it's I guess I wouldn't lean. I wouldn't necessi- I'm not saying I wouldn't watch one on Steven. Um, it'd be phenomenal, but I I would almost go back to the steroid era and find, you you know, yeah, like Adele will somebody who lived in the thick of that. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe even Tanny Hill, uh, post post that era, the year, because it would encompass the year that basically the whole football team was about to strike because of the coaching staff, you know, they're about to quit. And that's when they basically said, F it. You know, here's what we're going to do. And then they won, what, five of their last six games? They were 0-5 to start the season, right, 1992? So, and they finished 5-6. and six. They went 5-1 and one down the stretch. Yeah, that would be that'd be something. Will McLean said Wesley Saunders and the whole Whitney Hotel thing. Uh, J-Shock goes with Eric Norwood. Uh, Whitney, hey, Whitney. Uh, she said Steve Tannehill. Course, it's not hard to find him these days. He's got a couple of bars and five points. Um, Howard goes with Jeff Grant's two-time All-American baseball player at two different positions and quarterback in 1975, 56 and 20. Yeah, that would uh Jeff would probably be a pretty good one. But you know how these documentaries go, Phil. They need the juice. You gotta have juice yep. to do one. Yep. You know, you it's you gotta be able to sit there and go, oh my God.
2: Like, that's got to be your response wow. when you're walking it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Watching it. Yeah, exactly. You
2: could say Landon Powell, but they've already done that one. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, that 30
3: for 30 is already out there. <clears throat> that was tough. <clears throat> I've I've said that to Landon before, watching that. It, it's hard to get through that. Yeah. It's hard to get through that. Kendall with a good one here. Demetrius Summers. And while we're on it, why don't we throw in a Derek Watson? Those yeah. would be interesting as well. I'm with you. Demetrius Summers. There's um, – I'll get it all wrong. I just know t- tidbits of it here and there uh, of his story and how Coach Holtz essentially shoved him into a guest house and had somebody literally following him around, looking after him nonstop. Um, I don't want to say a whole lot more than that because I don't want to misrepresent anything that happened. But it was – I mean, I know a lot of the guys that played with with me, and it, it, <laughs> man, I'll just leave it there. How about that? I mean, this guy was just—he was—he just did whatever the hell he wanted to do. Um, Seventy-six went with Sterling. Uh, William Dean also said Steve Tannehill. Jan said mine is about juice. <laughs> Come on, Jan—that's easy. That's too easy.
2: <laughs> Get out of here. And Harrison's got—I mean, probably the one that is the most likely to be made here would be Rattler. When it's all said and done, you know, if he if he flames out in the NFL or has great success in the NFL, I would expect, you know, full documenting coming. <laughs> You've already I... gotten little bits and pieces of his reality life, right? But that's you know, for as a as a child, essentially. <laughs> Tommy
3: Chaykin, uh from Jambat. Mm. yes. Sydney Rice, Sydney would be an interesting one as well. Um, let's see. I missed one or two up here, and I want to make sure that I get them in. Uh, Jc said the uh, Lattimore documentary would be um, would mm. be pretty good. Probably would be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but Marcus, that, that that's you know, it's still. Is it, have you, have you watched the Johnny Manziel documentary? I I have not. I was going to watch it this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a feel good story because like my wife watched it and she said, I felt really bad for him. And I was like, you did. It's kind of an interesting response, but I don't know that I felt bad for him because he kind of did it to himself. I mean, I know that there was a lot of pressure on Johnny Manziel. And, but there was, I mean, he's not the only quarterback we've ever seen come through with that much pressure on his shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, so I, you know, I I don't know that I felt bad for him. I like Johnny Manziel. I like him. Uh, He's, I, I just like the guy, but I mean, he made some idiotic decisions. I don't know how much, well, if it did cost him any money, not anymore because God only knows how much Netflix paid for him to just come out and tell everything he told in that
2: story millions of dollars so i don't know i mean i doubt he needs any money after doing that but no well i don't think he needed any money
3: before either yeah you're uh, probably right i mean he's living on like a ranch in arizona
2: he's got like a pretty sweet setup and you know pool and all nine yards i think the Um, biggest story in that is how how directly and impactful was just that one guy on one program and i was hearing uh, josh pate talk about this when he was talking about it last night you know just like do you even have the facilities that AM does right now if it weren't for the money brought in from just johnny manziel season
3: yeah <laughs> uh, well and, and so i i think that that's a pretty good uh i think that's a pretty good question i i think that the timing of it is what changes the impact because A&M was transitioning into the SEC. Yeah. And and that kind of brought a brand with them. Um I'm not that they didn't have a brand before and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I have a lot of respect for Texas A&M. But um but they 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 were a big story. They were a big story and like when he left after 2013 uh and and Kenny Hill transferred in from TCU you know the story was that this kid was gonna have to fill the shoes of Johnny Manziel. Of course he did at least in Game one versus South Carolina and Williams Price Stadium, embarrassing everybody in the in in the Palmetto State on national TV the night they opened the SEC network. <laughs> um, but like that tra- i think I think Phil personally, but it, it was because they were transitioning into the SEC. Uh, and they were basically about to, you know, renovate everything down there, you know, blowing up the stadium and rebuilding it in the whole nine yards, and it just brought this swagger with the Aggies into the top league in the, in the country. And so, yeah, I do think that even if, even if that wasn't coming, you know, the, the, the switch from the Big 12 to the Southeastern Conference, I think that he would have had a major impact on the program I'm not – I don't know, though, that without all those other components that he wouldn't have – or that it would have been as big or as large as it ended up being.
2: Yeah, yeah, just the, the perfect storm.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Somebody said uh, Connor Shaw. Lisa. Lisa said Connor Shaw. Marcus uh, said Shane Beamer. That, that'll be a long time down the road. Y'all, we we got to go further back, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah you Yeah, we got to go back in the think tank here for some of this. And a lot of this is football.
2: What about from the basketball side? Yeah, I don't know. One on McGuire would be interesting, just, you know. But player-wise...
3: I mean, you think about the guys that came from the New York pipeline in the 70s. Yeah. Right? Is Is there one there that would really... Um, that would really stand out. I mean, obviously, yeah, uh, clearly, Alex English. Alex English is an easy answer there. No disrespect, Bobby. I don't mean that. Uh, Jan said Jimmy Foster. Uh, JC said I'd also add the rise of Michael Roth in the dynasty. Well, that's true, but you know, yeah. look. So here's the thing with the with the Roth story. It's it's a pretty simple story, honestly. Um, he was brought into South Carolina to. We don't really know what you're going to do. I know this story very well, uh, you know, but you're probably going to – you can play some first. You can hit a little bit. Uh, you can't really pitch at this level, but maybe you can. I don't know. We'll just kind of see where you fit. But you can, you're a good team guy. You're a good player. You can play here. Okay. You know, he didn't really pitch much. He was a situational lefty. And then my room, one of my roommates at the time, Jay Brown, was set, scheduled to get the start against Clemson in the College World Series. And after Coach Tanner and Coach Calvi sat there and stared at it for hours on hours. They basically walked in the door. Roth and Jay were staying together in Omaha. And they walked in the door and said, uh, hey, they were playing. Well, Jay was trying to sleep. Roth was up wired playing video games. And then the- and Coach Tanner looked at Roth and said, Roth. And he didn't even turn around and look at him. He just said, yes, sir. Kept twiddling around on his video game, Xbox, or whatever <laughs> it was. And he said, you're, you're going to get the ball tomorrow. And he said, that sounds good, coach literally that's it (laughs) that's that's what (laughs) happened you know and he got the ball and he went out and and the expectation was he probably they're going to try to get him through the lineup once and then go to jay brown then jay will tell you the third came along i guess i'm not going to the pen yet fourth came along fifth came along sixth inning seventh inning jesus is this guy ever (laughs) gonna stop getting outs? and a star was born um (laughs) So there you go. St- now now we're talking, Stacey. He goes with Ronaldo Balkman. And I'm a the Ronaldo Balkman. Man. Yeah, he was, boy, he was fun to watch, wasn't he? He mm-hmm. was something. Shouldn't For have been sure. a first-rounder, but he was fun to watch. Uh, Driftwood uh, said, Ron Bass is my friend's dad. You know, that's who Sunshine is based off of Remember the Titans. I do. I know Ronnie mm-hmm. Bass well. His daughter, Alex, is a good friend of mine. She married a guy that I grew up with. Uh, so we get to see the basses from time to time and, uh, an outstanding guy. And, uh, nobody calls him sunshine to his face, at least not
2: in our circle. <laughs> you know, go try it one time, JB. Yeah. Nah. It's <laughs> yeah, all that's good. Not, well,
0: no,
3: first, good. The first time she said her dad, this has been years ago. I don't even know how long, maybe 10 to, I don't know. Something like that years ago. Um, uh, the first time that um, she said her dad was coming, I think we were cooking out over at the Cisco's house, and she, her, his daughter, is best friends with my one of my best friends, Mike Cisco, his his wife, and she said my parents are coming. I said, "Oh wow, I've always wanted to meet your father. That's pretty cool." I said, uh, it, w- "Would would he care if I call him Sunshine?" She was like, yeah, "Sure." I was like. Don't think I'm going to do that based on that response. Yeah, so, so I, to this day haven't. But he's a super guy, and he looks nothing like the guy who does in the movie. By the way, um, I am the late Stone says Corey Jenkins, high draft pick in baseball. An agent stole money. Ju- junior college guy for football, QB one for the Gamecocks, then linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. You know what? That's a, that would probably be a pretty neat story. But a lot of these stories, again, they get like, there's got to be something like, you know, like something, you know, I mean, Manzel had it all, you know, drugs and money and cheating. And I mean, the guy admitted, like, can the NCAA even come back and do anything about that? Like, it would be a sham if they did. Oh, but wow. In, but in the documentary, he literally wide openly admitted to breaking the rules. The whole final year there. They were just signing autographs and selling them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Fine a enough. it's a it's not against great. the law, just against the rules. <laughs> yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what the guy it's what his partner in the in the documentary said, Phil. He yeah. was like, "We we weren't breaking any laws. We were just weren't following the rules." And we thought that they needed to not be the rules. Well, you know, it's not the way it works. But um I mean, the guy was, he had the fourth string quarterback on the team peeing in a cup for him. I mean, it was, uh,
2: it was pretty, pretty wild stuff. So, really good responses here. Yeah. Yeah. Never watched a minute of, uh, game film. Never watched, well, not in the NFL. In the NFL. Yeah. Never watched a minute of game film in the NFL.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Rob, Rob, by the way, says Jimmy Foster would be a good one. Um, yeah, in the uh, he he literally said. I guess the agent got a phone call about he's not watching film. You know, we this is our first round quarterback. He's not watching film, and the his agent, who's a pretty funny guy, said, "Well, what do you mean he's not watching? He's got to be watching some film." And then literally the next cut, Manziel goes zero. My time log at zero point zero. I hated football. I did not want to watch film. Jeez. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, pretty crazy stuff. All right, it is 1124 a.m. It is August the 11th. We are three weeks from a lot of us making a trip to Charlotte for the Dukes-Mayo kickoff between the Gamecocks and North Carolina in Bank of America Stadium. Plenty on that today with both Michaels Haney and Flint in noon hour. Coming up next, we will continue... Uh, to uh, put some of your responses into our program. Who would you like to see a documentary about that ever wear or a Gamecock uniform at South Carolina? Any sport. Also, some bold predictions for the 2023 Southeastern Conference football season. We are teed up by the coolest club in the Carolinas. If you play golf, the weather will hopefully soon be changing because it's been a pressure cooker out there for a while. If you want to get into some golf, in the mountains, in the Midlands, in the low country, wherever it may be. 45 courses cover the Carolinas. If you're a member of TravelingCountryClub.com, it is so awesome. I'll be headed to the mountains in a few weeks. As a matter of fact, during one of South Carolina's away weekends, and I've got two rounds scheduled thanks to those guys, and I think I have to pay a total of $50 to do it. I'm just ecstatic about this. Cannot wait. Traveling Country Club. Dot com. Hang tight. Inside the game, Cox the Show, part of the Chief Sports Network. We'll be right back.
0: Hey everybody, this is Mo Cowboy from Carolina Football. The show is painted garnet black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com something.com to check them out. Go
3: Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Let me paint something.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside. All of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Sierfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane, in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare.
1: Columbia, and go Gamecocks!
2: Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show. First hour of the show presented to you by Cindy Foss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Don't forget, give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271. She'll be happy to take all the calls regarding your upstate residential real estate needs.
3: And Kevin, Kevin by the way It's all good yeah. Kevin said you, you got to take the Heisman If anything, right? Uh, hmm. Nothing against the kid But it's an awful representation Of what we want to give an award f- to For being the best football player Yeah,
2: I, I mean They took Reggie Bush's So I mean Yeah, what good does that do? I mean in reality. I, I understand the Nothing. optics, But you know, was there a better player than Reggie Bush on the field that no. year? No. no. And there's <laughs> not me. a better player than
3: Johnny Manziel either. No. So um, it doesn't
2: that doesn't do any good. Just no, you know I, what? It's in the past. It's over.
3: Move on. I mean, you're yeah, you're 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 uh not you. I mean like in general. It's a it's an argument over um what's wrong, what's right. That's it. I mean, you yeah. know, it's it's like, you know, it's it's a moral argument or an ethical argument. And that's kind of really what it comes down to. I mean, I don't think that they're going to go back and try to do anything like that. If they do, Manziel clearly didn't care or he wouldn't have done what he did. But in um, yeah. and, and telling the story, I mean, but
2: yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I don't mean, know. you know, it's I don't know. And I, mean, I mean, he knew what he was doing. He was taking a calculated risk. Oh, he didn't care. Yeah, he didn't no. care. Plus,
3: <laughs> I mean, the sad—I guess—the sad part is—and it was mentioned here just a minute ago in the in the chat box by Marion, one of our great mailmen out there. God bless all the mailmen getting mail here on time. Um, it, it, he did mention the fact that you know he did. You know, he wanted to. He wanted to end it all. It, 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 I should. You know. Yeah. I think you can all figure that out, right? Um, I'm going to spend all the money I can and end it. Now, that part was sad uh, because I don't ever like hearing anything like that. But
2: Yeah, so
3: if you haven't seen it, check it out. The untold Johnny Manziel story on Netflix is really, truly phenomenal. KFC, by the way, said you can't take his Heisman away. That's just stupid. I mean, it, I, I, it's in it, it, the reason it that they take they
2: did it. Yeah, earlier and I think any time you do that would be
3: yeah. yeah, like so the the reason you would take it away is because you didn't earn it like at least that we're aware of. The others did by following the rules. Like you you would not have earned it because you wouldn't have been eligible, essentially, is what they would say by taking it away. But you wouldn't have been eligible. So you couldn't earn the Heisman Trophy if you're not eligible to actually, you know, play the game of football. Um, you know, with that said, I'm not sure that Going back and doing that, I, I just think that, you know, if if for some reason they feel like it's that big of a deal and they need to do something about it, which I don't think they will, but if they feel like it's that big of a deal, they'll just, I would say, just put an asterisk by it and that's it. Leave it alone. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff that like, I mean, you can, we could sit and have a conversation for uh, literally every hour for 24 straight hours about the major league baseball hall of fame. I got a lot of thoughts and opinions on that and they're not the oh, same yeah. as everybody's and I respect everybody's, but like, you know, there's, you know, sometimes it's just time to move on. I mean, the guys still played the game. They did what they did, but anyways, that's for another day. Phil bold predictions in the sec this year. A lot of people are making them. I told you that I had one. I actually have two bold
2: predictions. I'm trying two. to pull up a schedule real quick. Uh, are you before just trying I to make a point. bold prediction up? No, I'm I've got a gut feeling on one, but I want to confirm it before I just look really damn stupid. <laughs> I was about to say that, you know the point Pardon of this me is for doing a <laughs> little due diligence here in the background.
3: <laughs> the point of bold predictions isn't just to, you know, like oh ah, I can still it. be
2: bold and not sound like a dumbass. <laughs> okay. All right.
3: I'll here's one for you. Here's one for you, okay? The Vanderbilt Commodores will be 4-0 and to start the season.
2: Oh, I like that. That's a good one. That is. It's bold. It is bold. I, Not undoable.
3: They've got Hawaii. Well, if they can make the trip, man, what's happening over there is wild. Um, thoughts and prayers with all those people. It's burning up. But they – oh, no, I'm sorry. Hawaii's coming to them this year. They went to Hawaii last year. So, well, still, if Hawaii can make the trip, yeah. Uh, they've got Hawaii on August 26. so we're what? What are we? What is that? Two weeks? Two weeks from tomorrow, right? Okay. Yeah. And then you got Alabama A&M. They're 2-0. and oh. The the key is, can they beat Wake Forest on the road in, in week three? And when we had Phil Steele on last week, he was a little apprehensive to predict that. So, I think Vanderbilt opens the season 4-0. and oh, and 1B of that with Vanderbilt, this isn't – I have two bold predictions, but this is 1A and 1B for Vanderbilt, and then I've got a second one. Vanderbilt will be in a bowl game this year. They'll be 4-0, and they'll win two games in the SEC, and they will be in a bowl game in, under Clark Lee in his third season.
2: Is that Vandy makes a bowl game. I like it. I like it.
3: All right. Vandy Vandy goes 6-6. Six and six. Two and six in the league, four and zero oh in the non-con. The problem with Vandy is how they have it set up with those four straight non-cons, and then it's the last eight games of the year are all in the SEC. There are no breathers, but um, Kentucky and Missouri are both at home following the trips to Wake Forest and UNLV. I think they're going to get one of those, and then there's another one somewhere in there. I don't know who it's going to be. Let's just pray to God that it's not the Gamecocks. Uh, in I think, yeah. But um, I think Vanderbilt goes bowling and opens 4-0. My second bold prediction, Phil, and mm-hmm. now I don't know who, but my second bold prediction, Georgia will not win the SEC championship.
2: A little less bold. You think it's less think, than the really? – I think it's a little less bold than the Vandy thing. Really? I think that there is an opportunity here, especially with the strength coming out of the West, that. Georgia may not win the conference. However, that being said, they still make the playoff.
3: Uh, I would go with that. That's fair. I mean, when you, I don't know where, like the. I mean, I'm not saying they won't be in the SEC championship game.
2: I actually think they will be. I yeah, think. same. Yeah, yeah, but they they lose to the West champion.
3: Yeah, I don't think that they're going to win the league. I I mean, when you when you <laughs> The first four the first thing you always have to do when you talk about the best teams in the country, everybody immediately goes to the schedule. let's let's actually look at the football team first. They're really freaking good. Uh, and we know that. Um so they don't really have a lot of weaknesses. But when you glance at the schedule after that, where are, are their hiccup games or do they have any hiccup games? I mean, it's it's becoming maybe it's because of some of the recruiting momentum, which will have absolutely nothing to do with how they play on the field this year. But it's increasingly more likely, in my opinion, that Auburn is better than people think. And this game always is very tense. And when you play Auburn, I mean, all of us have been watching football for a while, right? When you When you don't think that Auburn's going to be very good, they surprise you somewhere. And I'm not saying that they're going to be like really good, but all these four and eight, five and seven predictions that keep floating around in Hugh Freeze's first year, I don't know that I'm buying that. I hope it does happen, but I don't think that I'm buying it, Phil. So the trip to Auburn on September 30th. Um I am not uh I'm not a big believer in Florida, but they play the game in Jacksonville, and who knows what the Gators are going to look like by the end of October. I mean, the question is, does Florida get better or not? I think they're going to have a rough start to the season. Do they get better or not? I don't see them winning the game at Utah. I don't think they're going to beat Tennessee, but can they get things turned around and figured out? And Billy Napier, like if he doesn't make a bowl game this year, I'm pretty sure it's, pretty, it's very iffy whether he returns, which is a ridiculous conversation to have. I'm not a huge Billy Napier fan, but coaches only getting two years anymore just is a is a, is tragic almost in my opinion. But if they can get it figured out, or let's say that they have a very mediocre year somewhere around six and six or seven and five, and they get to a bowl game, but one of those wins is over, I don't know, Georgia. That's going to keep Billy Napier in some decent graces in the swamp. So you've got those. Uh, the one that everybody, of course, has circled is the trip to Tennessee. But yeah. I haven't mentioned one, and that's South Carolina. And look, I, I don't know if you said today predict the Game Cox record. Okay, I'm not predicting that they're gonna walk into Athens and win that ball game. I'm not. But I can't be inconsistent with what we've talked about the last four months around here either. When you have a quarterback that's really good, you can beat anybody.
2: You got a shot. Yeah.
3: You got a you shot. You got a shot. And so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sit here and say that Georgia and they might, they might go in there and they might uh They, uh, they. I see you, Joel. I'm not saying that it's bad. (laughs) Hey, look, man. I, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm not saying that Georgia won't whip the Gamecocks in the next week. Could be fifty to nothing. I I don't know what's going to happen. But when you return, the guys that are returning, and you got a guy named Spencer Rattler who we've seen what he can do, and I personally think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country. You got a shot, and if things bounce your way. Strange things can happen. Georgia almost got beat by Missouri last year, guys. They almost got beat by Missouri. Now, that game was in Missouri, and I know it. I get it. But, you know, it can happen. So I I think realistically as it stands right now, there are four legitimate chances for Georgia to fall in the regular season. Maybe five, maybe, depending on what happens with Ole Miss, maybe. Um, and I think they will lose a game in there somewhere, and I think they'll get beat in the SEC championship game. And, Phil, they'll still get in with two losses.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them get in. Yeah, I mean, you know, name recognition alone, man, that's – oh, and think about all the wailing about the strength of schedule there will be. Yeah. <laughs> if they do manage to pull that off. Well, if a two they the Georgia gets in to the playoff, what? I mean, you'd have to have some things play out obviously. Like USC can't go undefeated. Uh West, uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan can't be have their only losses to each other. Yeah. I mean, uh what what the what, the what the dogs are going to
3: need to hope for, Phil, is that the teams that are supposed to be good well, let me let me rephrase that. What they're going to hope for is that the teams are who are supposed to be the blue collar programs that they need to be good. I'm talking about yep. South Carolina, uh, probably Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri. I mean, I mean, you hear it every week: Missouri, 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 Missouri's defense, Missouri's defense. Like there's, and that's the thing. I call them blue collar games, right? Georgia is a white-collar they, – they, they, they pride themselves on being a blue-collar, but they're white-collar – I mean, come on. Let's be honest here. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting in first class, just like Alabama is, just like Ohio State is. And the rest of those programs right now are, are blue-collar. So, when you look at Georgia, you've got roll-the-dice-type blue-collar games with the Gamecocks, with Auburn, with Kentucky, you know, with Florida, with Missouri, with Ole Miss – and more than likely probably with Tennessee as well. I I do think Tennessee will have a nice year. I don't think they're like a six-win team or anything like that. I'm saying there's a lot of teams in there that it's kind of like we got to wait and see how good they're going to be to figure out exactly what Georgia's going to have to go through in order to get where they want to be, which, of course, is playing for a national championship again.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it's funny you say Auburn because that's what I was kind of putting my bold prediction in. With Auburn, and that you know, you see all of this, like you said, four and eight, and you know, just terrible year this year. But I think they finished no less than third in the West. Really, yeah, whoa, up early yeah. drinking this morning. I tell uh, you what, man,
3: I can no, see it. no less than so top no three in the West, third. top three in the West. Okay, so then they finished third because they're not finishing above LSU or Alabama.
2: I almost I almost said second. Oh <laughs> I almost said second. That would have been drunk, not bold. That I was <laughs> about to say this is
1: <laughs> that, bold that
2: predictions, not drunk ones. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, that, that
2: would have been drunk, not bold. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think third is doable though. Looking at it, uh, you a couple of pieces fall right. I, I think you only have if you win one or two swing games, I mean uh... I could easily see them finishing third.
3: Above, okay, yeah, yeah all right, above, so
2: yeah, above A and M, above Old Miss. But
3: well, so here's my question though: If you were gonna put them at second, who are you gonna drop to third between Bama and LSU? I mean, That's they can't all finish second,
2: you know. Now, as crazy as it sounds, no. Don't do Watch it. Auburn pull an Iron Bowl upset and move oh, into the second spot. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> and they're playing on the planes. Crazy things happen on the planes, man. In <laughs> oh, that game, too. God.
3: Well, that's true. Isn't that's true. <laughs> true. Bama is a game
2: that you just don't know. It, 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 I, I, I'm, you're not
3: wrong there. You're not wrong.
2: But I'm not saying that. I'm saying third.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> by the end of the year. For
2: me to downplay Nick Saban this year, because I think Alabama, I think Alabama is going to win um, and come out on top in the West. I've gone back I, between Alabama and LSU, but I just, I don't know. Well, it's going to be a good
3: race though. We're going to know how bold this prediction is on September the 9th, because if they go to Cal and lose against a team that has no conference.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's going to say a lot.
3: <laughs> then this is going to turn That's into to Phil's Phil's drunk prediction from uh, prediction for back in
2: August. I may drink more and make a bet I and mean, just just go all in. That yeah, they got a- doesn't affect their SEC record. JB. <laughs>
3: <No>. <laughs> I mean, if they win that game, they're going to be three and and0 to open, and then and then it, and then for Auburn you. Obviously, I mean the, the fourth game is on the road in College Station. If you have aspirations of doing anything like Mad Dog just said, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go on the road and win that game. I mean, um,
2: you, yeah, the you one know. I've got circled is the twenty third. Like, I, I think if you if they come out swinging and win that game in College Station to gotcha. open their conference season, then I think you could trip up twice, and then maybe it all hinges on the iron bowl result that's why i almost went two, because it it really could i mean if you if you lose to georgia or, or or lsu and pull an upset in one of them then it could be two but i don't think that happens i think they lose three games
3: but if they beat a you realize what the next game is it's georgia on the plains yeah i mean you could probably go ahead and book a trip for college game Day. And I don't know who else is playing that weekend. I'm speaking out of my rear end with that. But you, you get the point that all of a sudden becomes, oh, a, that becomes le- a
1: huge,
3: yeah. lethal, lethal <laughs> yeah. game. Big that, I mean, you got South Carolina at Tennessee that day. You would have uh, Georgia on the road at Auburn. That I mean, September 30th, all of a sudden in the East, you're going, whoa. You know, <laughs> things can – this is where it can kind of maybe start to – start shaking itself out a little bit. That stretch – for Auburn is brutal at AM, Georgia. Then they get an off week, maybe to lick their wounds or maybe they feel really freaking good about themselves. Who knows? And then they got to go to LSU. Um, if you're one and two in that stretch, you've done a phenomenal job. If you're anything yep. better than that, uh, it's like coach of the year type job. And if it's worse than that, I, I would almost venture to say it's expected if it's
2: 0-3. Yeah, I, I would say the expectation is 0-3. I mean, especially if you look at what Vegas said, because I'm sure they're picked to lose all three of those games. Of course uh, they are. Yeah, he says it I mean, by a. double digits. Yeah, as it, it, as it, it stands as right it now. stands today, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a double-digit underdog in all three of those. Yeah. You go 1-2, and two, which I think is easily doable, because I'm not quite there on A&M yet. I don't know. We'll see. Just got, you got to see that's, that's one of the biggest question marks heading into the season for me is this Texas A&M Dude, team. I'm,
3: I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm not buying it. And, and, and here's what I'm saying. Like, I think people take these context, uh these type of comments out of context sometimes, yeah. like not just for me, I'm just saying in general, um, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. Like, I, I just don't know that, um, I just don't know that they're going to be better than eight and four. Like A&M, every time there are expectations or preseason conversations about them, they cannot ever get over eight
1: and four.
2: I know. And I think there's less expectation this year as opposed to maybe the past couple of years for them. And maybe that bodes a little better for them for the final result. But I don't know, eight and four. (laughs) I mean, it's... It's like I mean, it's just perennially. That's what you, you know. Yeah, That's eight, what 7-5, yeah. And now you paid $100 million to be that. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, LSU,
3: uh, Tennessee, both on the road. They got Bama coming to town. I mean, you don't discount any of those games. You just don't know, especially no. Alabama over there. I mean, it's a tough place to play. I get it. I uh, got a good Ole Miss, you know. Uh, and then we, we've mentioned Auburn. and mentioned soccer. I mean, I'm not going to discount the Gamecocks in any game they play because they have a quarterback as it stands right now can beat about anybody so um you know that's that's going to be again one of those blue collar scary type games for anybody including AM, even though they get south carolina in their place and game guys never won there almost but never did so all right so that's your bold prediction is that auburn i'm gonna write this down finishes third or better third.
2: yeah no less than third
3: Okay, Phil's Drunk Predictions, August 11th, Phil? inside the pred-
2: <laughs>
3: brought to, Brought to you by Moonshine. That's Any right. Moonshine. Real Moonshine. All
2: right. Yeah. Wow. Mason Jar Moonshine. Mason. Uh, j- <laughs> j-
3: John asked for an update on Trey Knox. I'll tell you what I heard on that when we uh, return. We got Michael Haney ahead at noon, Michael Flynn at 1230. It's going to be a fun, fun finish to the week. We hope you'll stay with us right here. On Inside the Gamecocks, the show painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric
2: Bikes of
0: Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston!
2: Difficulties there, Phil. <laughs> yeah, trying to do too many things at the same time.
3: <laughs> I see the, that.
2: Uh, I apparently had the wrong email for Haney, is what it was. Oh, so, gotcha. I had to, I had to fix that. <laughs>
3: it is all good. It is 11 uh, 51, final segment here in hour number one. Uh, some news kind of drifted out last night onto the message boards about Trey Knox. Um, from what I've been told, it's a very minor sprain, uh, I guess, potentially, uh, the MCL, but I haven't been able to confirm that, and Coach Beamer will meet with the media today, and um, tomorrow, or we might hear something today, we certainly will hear something tomorrow, he's going to meet with the media following their first scrimmage of the preseason, which will begin, at, I think, at 3.15 um in Columbia. But um I have not had one whisper that this is something that is major and trust the people that I that is uh come from. I did ask if it is something that could potentially keep him out for the first game and was just told not sure. So um we'll just have to see from there. But um yeah you know these things of course sometimes happen and it sucks. But um Uh, my understanding is that it's not anything that's going to be long-term for Trey Knox. So if, uh, I don't know if that helps hurts or whatever, any of your fears, but that's what I've been told.
2: Yeah. I hate to hear that. It's, uh, I mean, goal number one in preseason camp is get out of it injury free. Uh, So let's just hope it's minor.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It should be. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, Um, but um, you just never know. And you know, God willing, he's the only or the last one we're going to hear from. There's been a there's been a a pretty good chunk of guys who have come in a little bit banged up and guys who've had some bumps and bruises already. Uh, so it's you know, the injury report is not a short one at South Carolina by any stretch of the imagination at this point in time. But it's also not uh, ex- exclusive to the Gamecocks football program. There's a lot of bang ups and bruises all over the place. North Carolina is dealing with a lot of that right now as well and other programs in the country. So uh, what they're hoping is that they get through this early part of camp, just as they do every year. And then, you know, once they kind of shifted into game week here, coming up in less than two weeks, uh, they'll start to kind of dial it back a little bit and get guys really ready to roll for the season opener. So um, that is uh, kind of kind of where things stand. Whale says, uh, would be the most South Carolina thing ever for Trey to be sideline with an injury and UNC getting Tez eligible for week one. Yeah. Kind of seems that right. way from time to right. time. Uh, but we'll <laughs> just kind of have to see. Uh, Gamecock fan asks, has Harbor been working on special teams? Does anyone know? The answer is yes, he has been. Uh, and um, you're going to see a lot of Nick Harbor guys when it, uh, when it gets time to, to play in here in just a few weeks. KFC said Rattler will be our first drafted QB since Todd Ellis, I'm assuming is uh, what you wanted to finish it with there. I would, uh, I would bet heavily on that. And, yep. As long as he stays healthy as well. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Howard on the Georgia South Carolina game said not playing them at night helps playing at three 30, of course on CBS. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their last win there was a noon kick, 2019, and prior to that, Phil, 19, 17, 15, 13, the 13 game, are they, no, they lost the 13 game. The last win before that there was in 2011. That was a day game. Uh, started in the afternoon. Uh, that was the game that Melvin Ingram took the uh, fake punt to the house. And then prior to that, in 2009, that ended up being a night game finish. I think 45-42, if my memory serves me correct, they, they lost that game. Um, 2007 was a, a late afternoon game. I think it began around 6. I was there. And uh, Matthew Stafford threw a pick to Jasper Brinkley to seal it. Carolina won that one 16-12. I think the last true night game, the Gamecocks won in Athens, was 2001, if memory serves me correct. Uh, Phil Petty to Brian Scott with about a minute and a half to go in the ballgame. Yeah, so generally the wins when they do get them in Athens uh, come when the game kicks off in the afternoon at some point in time, and that could bode well this year maybe uh, with uh, the 3.30 kick on CBS. Uh let's see. Ken asks any word on how Jatavius Shivers is progressing. True freshman, six eight, two ninety out of high school. Yeah, I think he's a little bit heavier than that now, Ken. Um, I've heard pretty good things about him. I'm not sure that he'll crack the two deep. There's a little bit of time to go, and it doesn't mean that he won't keep working himself in there. But they like him. I know that. They really like Jatavius Shivers, a kid that was originally committed to Vanderbilt. And if anybody remembers JC speaking of this young man while he was committed. To, or uh, right after he decommitted to from the Commodores, he was a guy that had, he had gotten word from inside the building that they really were hoping to reel him in. They liked him a lot, and they did. Uh, matter of fact, when he opened up that recruitment, a lot of the bigger-name programs came calling, and uh, South Carolina won out. But he's got a bright future at South Carolina. You're right, big, big boy. And he's going to be one of a lot of big, big boys over the next couple of years uh, with the class that just came in in the 24 class. They're all 6'5". 6'6", six, six, up to 6'8". Amazing stuff. Um, Harrison said, I don't know. It was pretty rowdy between the hedges for the 3.30 kick against Tennessee last year. Just saying, well, it's always rowdy between the hedges. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah. But history, history serves the Gamecocks better when they play in the afternoon over there, or at least uh, in the daylight. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you can get a noon kick in Athens, do it the drunks haven't necessarily <laughs> all infiltrated the, the, the they're not barking and peeing on your leg yet and then finally one final quick note here before we hit a timeout and get to Michael Haney uh, Tim Frisbee would be a pretty good untold Tim did respond to us on Twitter and he said documentaries I don't know maybe pops Frisbee is it that long ago already I'm not feeling the love nice nah, he's, he's right yeah his story is phenomenal, being a former Army, former Army Ranger and wide receiver and teammate of Michael Flint, who's just ahead in the second hour as well. Tim uh, was on the late show with uh, – I know he was on with Letterman. Was he on with Leno too? I know he was on with Letterman. He was on a bunch of shows.
2: Like yeah, I mean, show. I wouldn't be surprised if he we were on both. Yeah, yeah. yeah he made the rounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. it,
3: was, it was a pretty good, pretty good story sorry about that tim uh. Uh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and He's Nick, into that, hasn't he? that's nice all right i like it go tim, yeah, good, tim. Uh, the o4 the o um, no
3: the o5 i think it was O five. 5 the o5 wide receiver group picture still circulates from time to time Tim puts it up here and there. A lot of dudes uh, on that roster, man. Kenny, he just got into school. Sydney was on that roster. Uh, O.J. Murdoch, who unfortunately didn't end well for him either, just like Kenny McKinley. Um, I mean, there was a ton of talent in that room. Jared Cook was technically in that room. Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Not that far, not long. actually. Yeah, we are aging you a little bit, Tim. That was almost twenty years ago, man. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right, we need to hit a timeout. Hour one is in the books. Two mics coming up. Michael Haney, his new release is out today. Wherever you get your music, download it. You'll love it. It's a song called Easy. He wrote it, and it's so easy to listen to. This is on the heels of the release of Born to Crow, uh, the new EP coming out here shortly with five songs. He's going to talk about all of that and some Gamecock football, and he'll be followed up by our redheaded stepchild friend from Mount Pleasant, Michael Flint, in Wando's World. Hang tight. Final hour of the work week here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back.
2: Nana's
3: Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 3362597550
2: If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in a plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. (laughs) AHHHHH <laughs>
3: All right, welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. And live from the Cinerama Studios, Michael Haney has been in this seat a lot. And now he's writing music and singing music and everything in between out of Nashville. Of course, he's not in Nashville today. He uh, just wrapped up the uh, Nashville Night Series last night in Columbia, back to his roots. And he has been kind enough to talk some Gamecock football but amongst all of that is the release of his second uh, single "Easy," which is out now. You can download it into your phones, and it is very easy to listen to. It's a wonderful jam. We've already listened to it multiple times
1: this morning, Mike. We're glad to have you, brother. What's up? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Late, uh, late late night last night uh, in Greensboro. I, I'll just you know not to be that guy, but the the official oh, yeah. official end is today's tonight. Friday. Yeah, I know. It gets <laughs> yeah. uh, doing, doing two of those two of those shows each week yeah. for the last three months has uh has got my head spinning too. So it's it's been harder even for me to keep up with.
3: Yeah, I, I, I was thinking today was I
2: don't know what I'm thinking. I will tell I'll tell you what he
3: was got thinking. A
1: lot going on, Jamie? It's all good. I, anyway.
3: yeah. I don't
2: know. I've been off all show. I don't know. But I did put the, the the link to the song, which is awesome by the way, Michael, is in the description y'all, so uh click the description on YouTube everywhere. Go download it now.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a killer song, Mike. Give us the scoop on this thing. Uh we we definitely want to talk to you about Carolina football we'll get into that in just a few minutes but it wasn't just a few months ago born to crow came out that's this is going to be your first football season with born to crow so I'm anxious to see how that kind of takes off but easy out today uh give us the background on why you wrote it what you wrote it about and uh and and everything
1: else um well, it was, it was one of those things where, I mean, uh, for those that know my background, I mean, obviously I was in radio for a long time. That's how we all know each other. And, and, uh, it's part of this, you know, this that part of my life and, and this part of my life connecting with that. But, um, when I left, uh, I didn't really tell anybody what I was doing. Um, so I think there were a lot of folks that maybe thought I was just going up to do radio in Nashville or, um, or just something else uh, or just moving on um and so i had a lot of questions from family and friends and like yeah so you're just moving to nashville huh and but i knew in my head what i was going to do it was just hard to explain and and um in a way to say yeah i'm gonna try to go do music i'm leaving radio and moving to nashville to do music um so I, you know it's almost like uh i guess to give a sports analogy you know like on a wet field um, when a receiver is against a defensive back and the receiver knows where he's going, but the defensive back doesn't know, like mm-hmm. I knew I was that receiver on a wet field. I knew where my route was going. I knew what I wanted to do. So I didn't really think about it. And, um, uh, so sort of the, the questions and, and maybe some of the tears, uh, that, that family members had while it, it meant something at the time didn't quite hit me until probably a year or so after I moved. And then I came back and realized that, um, everybody was kind of used to me being gone. And then the tables turned on me and I was like, well, wait, so nobody's, mm-hmm. nobody's sad that I'm around that little narcissist part of my brain kicked in. And I was like, man, nobody's uh, not as sad that I'm not here anymore. And mm-hmm. for those <laughs> of uh, you that have made the drive from Columbia up to Knoxville, you know, there's that 23 mile stretch between Asheville and Knoxville. It's a windy road. Um, you know, it's like a perfect uh, car commercial stretch, you know, yep. throw in some Zeppelin or some D- ACDC or, you know, some fog hat or or a golden earring, whatever your, your favorite driving song may be. Um, and it was halfway through that where, you know, I got gifted, uh, the thought of I'm only really gone when the leaving gets easy. And I didn't really know what to do with that at the time, but I, I kept it in my back pocket, you know, put it in my phone. And, uh, it was a couple of years ago. I was uh, sitting down in a co-write with my good friend Chris Canterbury. Uh, he's an incredible songwriter, by the way, and and uh, definitely go go check out Chris Canterbury. Uh, he put out a fantastic album last year. Um, but I was uh, throwing out ideas with him, and I I sang to him the first few lines uh, of what I had, uh, which was just the first verse and and part of the chorus, and. Uh, when we got to the line and the song that says "this heart ain't made for the status quo," his eyes lit up, and I knew you know that was only a good thing um, because uh, I respect the hell out of Chris, and so to to know that something that I said you know rang true and, and hit him, he's like, "Yeah, that's the song that we're writing today," and and that's that's what we got through a couple of years ago, and I've you know been playing it around, um, and uh, really the first time that I, I played. The, the song for, uh, somebody like outside of, of, uh, you know, close friends and family. Um, my other part of life that I do is I, I do voiceover work. So I'll, I'll tell you this story. Um, I was doing a zoom call, uh, voiceover training with the Atlanta voice studio who, who those folks are fantastic as well. And, and my, uh, teacher, uh, had never heard me sing and he said, Hey, like, we've been doing these lessons online for, for months now. And I know that you write songs. I've never heard you sing, like play something for me. And I think it was maybe a month after I, I'd written easy and I played the song, you know, and he had himself on, on mute. That's kind of, you know, the, the way that we had worked while I, we would we'd try out voice stuff. He would go on mute and, and, and critique me. Um, but I could see him like moving around and see his hands, you know, kind of moving a little bit in the, in the periphery, but I'd, finished the song. And then when I was done, realized that he was bawling and I, I, I thought something had happened. I was like, what, are you okay? And he had recently lost his mother and he just oh. said, I was not expecting that. And this, he's like, wow, that, uh, that's really, really uh, amazing. And, and thank you for that. He said that took me to a place I didn't know uh, that I needed to go to. And those kind of stories started to happen. The more I played it out, the last uh, the last couple of years, um, where I would get different uh, folks that would come up after a show and tell me what it meant to them. So uh, it's truly the first uh, song that I've written where every everyone has a different take and has a different feeling and a, and a, and a different emotional connection and. That's actually uh, something that's been really cool for me to experience uh, on my end of it. And I'm just really proud of it and, and glad that it's out in the world for everybody to enjoy. It,
3: this is because I, I this is how, you know, I'm a good friend because I didn't I didn't tell anybody. Is this the one that you sent me a long time ago and you said down low? Even Patrick hadn't heard it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
3: I knew it was because I haven't gone yeah. back. It's been a while uh, since I I listened to it a lot when you sent it to me that first like kind of rough cut. I remember I was like, "This is this is pretty good." Never said anything, so you know I knew this day would come. You know, it's like it's like a commitment video, Mike. You don't want to steal some thunder, right? Um, yeah. So we yeah. didn't we didn't chop it up, play it on the show <laughs> or anything like that. I appreciate um, that. But so you're gonna play it tonight. Everybody in Columbia, if you want to head to Steel Hands Brewing tonight, you can go see. Uh, Michael in the in his their final uh, Nashville nights uh, this the final night of Nashville nights part of this summer series that is awesome it still hands in in the Midlands Um, but you've got you are what now two are you two weeks away from the release of the EP
1: yeah yeah so this was uh, just the taster and then the 25th uh, I'll put out the other four songs on the EP and uh, through a we got to, uh, four originals, and then you know, there's a, a Tom Petty standard that I, you know, have loved for for years, uh, among many many others. But I uh, did a little bit different spin on it, and I'm pretty proud of how that turned out. But yeah, it'll be a five song EP, um, taken from uh, the the line, uh, the chorus in Easy. The, the name of the EP is When the Leaving Gets Easy. So uh, just kind of leaned into that, and, and yeah, it'll be out the twenty fifth.
3: Is is Born to Crow on that or
1: no? it is not it is not okay. that's just, it's a standalone standalone single standalone project <laughs> so maybe one day maybe one day we'll get a gamecock compilation album and and, and yeah. get everybody on there
3: just get you and PD you and Patrick y'all just collaborate together and do and, yeah. and do that yeah. so this is my and i'm pretty sure everybody's already done it but but i'm we're going we're going to say it again and you because uh, born to crow although it wasn't played there but they it is part of a uh, multiple bumpers that we have on our program. Uh, it's football season, guys. Make sure that Born to Crow is in your playlist for game day. And for those that ask, who the hell is this? You're looking at him. It's Michael Haney. Uh, so make sure that you spread the news. You can share. The, if you have Apple Music like I have, you can share the song to all your friends. It is a hell of a song for Gamecock football, and it's been out for quite some time. It's in our playlist, so you all well know that my kids just well. Adore that song. So well,
1: I, I appreciate that, man. And I, I got to say, you know, it, as cool as it is to put out, you know, non Gamecock related songs. I can't think of any greater honor um, than walking through the fairgrounds one day and or Gamecock Park and, and hearing board to Crow uh, somewhere. As, as somebody that didn't miss a home game from 1992 to the 2012, when my best friend was getting married and I had no other choice. Uh, but to, <laughs> but to miss a Gamecock home football game. Yeah, that would that would mean the world. To be able to hear that, It'd be pretty cool.
3: Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in Charlotte. I know at least at one tailgate that will be the Carolina Rise tailgate outside of uh, Bank of America Stadium. We'll uh, we'll have that playing probably on loop. We don't even play that um, big old cock song anymore. It's so old, like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so many so many things going through my head right now it's a family show though <laughs> yeah.
3: hey, hey patrick up yours man you need you got to come out with some new stuff <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, he, which he is doing um we don't have you for long again easy is out uh, and and follow michael haney on all social media platforms as well and if you really are like i i, I don't know I, i'm not on social media i don't know if you've downloaded the Chief Sports app, you'll find him in there in the musical partner section. We've got a, a, a section for him right there, and you can go in there and, and, and check that out as well. And uh, we're really proud of of somebody that I've long looked up to because you're one of the reasons I wanted to get into sports media. Um, I'm so sorry.
1: I'm so sorry.
3: You really ruined it for <laughs> me, man. <laughs> you owe my family an apology. Um, Carolina football is coming up, Mike, and, and this is something that we have been – uh, really hitting on for a while around here. Of course, you covered South Carolina uh, like none other when when working at 107.5 the game all of those years. Um, but this statement I'm about to make, hopefully it comes true, but generally it is true in college football. When you have an elite quarterback, you can beat anybody. That not mean you're going to beat everybody, but you generally can beat anybody. South Carolina feels like they've got one in Spencer Rattler, and that makes things pretty exciting heading into the year.
1: Well, no question. I mean, uh, they, they did a lot to make sure that he and, and Juice Wells came back because, you know, with a one-two punch at quarterback and receiver, you're absolutely right. You give yourself a chance. Um, I mean, the obvious concerns are there. He's, uh, the running back position and depth there to be able to balance things out. But um, if you're a Gamecock fan, uh, like, like we all are here, the one thing that you can hope uh, is that whatever got uncorked at that Tennessee game for Spencer Rattler and through the Clemson game and you know, even uh, for at least the first half or so uh, of the bowl game, that's the Spencer Rattler that you continue to see for the entire season, um, and, and that it finally is all clicking for him because there's there's no question he's an incredibly dangerous weapon, and he gives South Carolina a chance uh, to be a continually competitive team and, and try to build themselves up that ladder in the Eastern Division, or at least while we still have a division.
3: Yeah, you know, on Wednesday, a guy who wrote an unbelievable, unbelievable article about you, David Kloniger with the Post and Courier. Uh, we he was on our program and he he teased uh, I, I would imagine knowing that how they do things at the Post and Courier, it'll be out on Sunday, but he teased a column that's coming out in the next few days about what transpired behind the scenes as the season ended offensively. Um, and so I'm anxious to read that. Um, by the way that's true just a couple of months ago an awesome article came out that David wrote about Michael Haney you should check it out if you haven't but with with that said the guy that's leading the program is Shane Beamer you've known Shane a long time since he first uh, came to South Carolina in 2007 I know y'all kept in touch over the years watching it from afar him leading this program the program that you grew up following you, you covered all those years and now here he is stationed in in columbia he's the head guy is it still kind of hard to like wrap your brain around the fact that it's shane beamer and how have you kind of seen him grow up mike in the last couple of years from the, literally the day he was hired to now we here's press conferences we see him i just saw him at the golf course a couple of weeks ago it, it is i don't know that personally anything has changed but i haven't known him as long as guys
1: like you what what have you seen um, I just think naturally for anyone when you you go from a a certain role uh, to a bigger role uh, over a course of what did it, what was it about 14, 15 years. Um, I think anytime you do things like that you're you're gonna learn a lot of lessons along the way and you know from who he was uh, as a young coach uh, with South Carolina at that time, uh, and an incredible recruiter, which he still is. Um, I think that those are the things that have stayed true. if I could say that there's any difference. Um, it's just the fact that he's in a, a larger role now, uh, but he's always been the same person. Uh, and he just is in a position now where he is able to take more ownership, be more of a statesman, uh, uh, and, and leader and, and figurehead of a program right now. And that's kind of cool to see that growth from, you know, a special teams coordinator and a recruiting coordinator to the, to the head guy, uh, with, within the same hallways. I think that's, that's been kind of cool the last few years to see, from him is it was exciting to get the job now he's entrenched he's got a little bit of wind in his sails from some signature wins towards the end of the year and and the proof that as frustrating as things have been these last couple of years especially on the offensive side of the ball ultimately he was able to get the best out of his players when it mattered the most and i think that's a pretty cool thing to see and see him continuing to grow and and elevate himself as a head coach
3: yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that there's also, you know, there you've we've all seen the public side over the last couple of years. I know I got to get you out of here in just a couple of minutes, but um, you got to get the trip to Columbia ahead of you, yeah. traffic willing. Um, I, I know, you know, over the last couple of years we've seen these these wild images of Shane. Um, you know, opponents like to use some of them. One in particular always pops up when they were getting their, you know, what's kicked in Knoxville a couple of years ago. Shane was very animated when they finally, you know, put some points on the board. And Tennessee people thought that was really funny until last year they walked in Williams Bryce, and then they got their asses kicked. And it's kind of all evened out now. Um, but I mean, we've seen like it, there's an overwhelming amount of positivity about him publicly. But what we've also learned is behind the scenes, he's he means business. This is how we're going to do things. If you don't want to do it that way, then you're going to go find somewhere else to do it. You know, whether you're a coach or a player or whatever it is, and, and you know, we get, we get the Nick Sabans of the world and all these other guys that, that con- consistently put off the one vibe that, like, what, what you see publicly generally is what you're going to get privately. But Shane's pretty good about balancing the two of them, and I think that's what's led to the enthusiasm amongst the fan base. The national media has really taken to him. The recruiting is all stepped up. I mean, it's 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 a balancing act, but he does it as well as about anybody we've seen.
1: Yeah, no, there's there's no question. Um, and, and again, I think the balancing act, and, and I would even tell him this is you can't get too high. Um, you know, it's it's great to have those moments and and to say, hey, look, you know, we we knew that we could do this all along, um, and you just had to trust the process and had to trust where things were, were headed. Um, now it's just a matter of. Being able to, to to stay steady and stay consistent uh, with that, and not have the massive swings from week to week, that's the next step for this team and this program uh, with him at the helm is to, to figure out how to make what happened at the end of last season a, a much more consistent week in and week out thing, and you know not uh, not going and beating AM And then turning around and losing to Missouri and whatever things that may go in between. But I say that and you know, different times and different eras. I mean South Carolina beat Alabama and then turned around and lost to Kentucky the next week. So that's not necessarily a that's not necessarily a Shane Beamer thing. That's uh that's kind of been a South Carolina thing for a <laughs> yeah. while. So um but yeah I'd I'd say just in general, yeah find find some consistency week to week that uh that doesn't make us all want to rip our hair out. What little <laughs> some of us have left
3: he's doomed it's over yeah it's <laughs> uh for me
1: michael it's too late <laughs> yeah yeah. It's first, we, I, I didn't, yeah, right. I didn't yeah, miss it's, a game for, no, for almost right, uh, 20, yeah. some odd 30 years and yeah this We've is been what been following this is, it this too is long, gamecock man. fandom right here
3: <laughs> oh man well mike uh we'll let you run we know you got the trip tonight if you're in columbia and we know a ton of you are of course uh, at steel hands brewing it's the final night of the nashville Knights concert series it is headlined and really orchestrated by this fine gentleman michael haney whose new single is out today easy uh you just got some free pub on twitter from pops frisbee as well uh tim uh tweeting out your Uh, song
1: Pops, man thank you my friend thank you been a long time I hadn't seen him in a minute look forward to hopefully seeing him at the uh gamecock kickoff party coming up soon
3: Coming up pretty soon. Looking forward to that. Safe travels to Columbia. We'll get you back in really soon. Congratulations. We're really, really, really proud of you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it, man. There you go. Michael Haney, the former top-notch producer at 107.5 The Game in Columbia, and he's turned into a hell of a songwriter, and now he's out there with his guitar playing it as well. This song is killer. Uh, it's made uh, the playlist aptly name in, it named in my phone the greatest playlist ever created. That's how good it is. And uh, I would suggest that you uh, download that and tell your friends as well. Uh, Michael Haney, a true Gamecock. Got to hit a yeah, – yeah. you listen to it, right?
2: This yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It's a great song. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. We do new do need to step aside. We're powered by electric bikes. Of Charleston, if you want to go up to twenty eight miles per hour for sixty miles on an electric bike, that's where you want to go. They serve the entire state of South Carolina and they are proud business uh partners of Carolina Rise as well. Hats off to Michelle Wilkins and her Wilkins and her team in the low country. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do, and thank you for making it easy to drink beer and ride bicycles. We'll be right back. (laughs) Panorama Colombia and Go Game. Pass. If you're in the real estate market in the Lowcountry or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to coast realty SC.com is where you can find our staff and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks.
1: Coach Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm good. Coach O, signing off. Endless of summer, go tiger. Ladies and gentlemen,
2: here it is.
3: Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Dough Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit TheBarnDominiumCo.com. That's the TheBarnDominiumCo.com. The Barn Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated.
1: Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com. Your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
0: Hey everybody, this is Mo Koppel from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go
3: Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. com. <laughs> segment of the work week welcome back inside the game cox the show built by the barn Co. and live from the sinorama studios on a finally friday is what we will uh call it before we get michael flint in for wando's world uh i do want to mention that the walter camp award watch list is out and there, which is uh, for the, uh, it's the preseason watch list for the player of the year in college football. And there are no Gamecocks on the watch list. Now, mm-hmm. that's, that happens. It's okay. No, no, I mean, yeah, I, no. I, I understand Brooklyn
2: that. Okay. One of those uh, best player in football trophies, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Best player, yeah, in the, yeah. best player yeah. in football. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. There are of the 45 players named, there are 20 quarterbacks <laughs> and not a one is named Spencer Rattler. Mm. But Frank That's Harris cool is cool. on there from UTSA and uh, Michael Pratt from Tulane and Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Siobhan Chevon cool. Cordiero quarterback at San Jose State. <laughs> They're all members of the 20 quarterbacks who are members of a group of 20 quarterbacks that make up the 45-man preseason watch list for the Walter Camp Award. All of them apparently should be playing at South Carolina over Spencer Rattler, according to the voters of the Walter Camp Award. So we'll leave that there. That is just more juice in the juice box for Spencer Rattler uh, to suck dry as the season Approaches because the rest of the country Has not given him a whole lot of love Leading into the year uh, Marion asks any Cam got news yet No uh, that commitment coming up Here in uh, less than I think a couple of Hours and um, the latest On that according to our friend John Whittle is it's looking unlikely that South Carolina lands the five star from Lexington uh, But uh, you Never know so he's uh, Going to keep his eyes on it I know David Cloniger is mentioned to us on Wednesday he'll be there in person to cover it and um so at least there's some intrigue on the south carolina side of things and we'll go from there without uh without further ado though from one mic to another haney to flint haney has no hair michael has too much of it and he joins us here on a friday <laughs> afternoon what's up man?
0: <laughs> much, what's going on guys <laughs> you know I, well, man.
3: <laughs> mike harrison asked an interesting question here um when was the last time a quarterback with the talent and track record of like Rattler got disrespected that much nationally heading into the season? It is, people who aren't fans of the Gamecocks are going to tell Carolina fans that he sucked a large majority of the first part of last year. And I, I you know, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to get into an argument with anybody about that. This guy has also done enough in his collegiate career to earn some sort of recognition from somebody and very few out there are giving him any props for having any type of a really successful senior season. So it's an interesting question because you got to feel like if he was playing for a team with a G on the helmet or an A or an LSU or something like that, the, the whole country would be paying uh, closer attention to him.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's very surprising, and I'm trying to think about that. I don't – I mean, I can't recall anything – relatively close to that i mean he did struggle early in the season last year but you know when you look at when teams get ranked and when individual awards start coming out for the for the 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 next season you know looking back a lot of what people look at is the last few games of that previous year and the talent they have around them and what they have coming back and if you look at what he did the last three games of the year last three four games of the year it was a night and day difference from what you saw the the, the first part of the year, which – and that's what surprises me about a lot of these rankings and how, you know, where Spencer is on the board, you know, in, in regards to the quarterbacks uh, uh, across the country. Because you see what he did the last three or four games of the year, and it was a complete night and day difference. But then you look at what he did in Oklahoma his first year. You know, he did, did have some issues that, you know, before he got replaced by – um, Caleb Williams, but you look at how good of a quarterback Caleb Williams is where he's talked about going in the draft this year. So it's surprising, but I think it gives him added motivation to continue to, to really work hard. Um, not only, you know, physically, but mentally, you know, in that quarterback room, watching film, because this day and age with social media and everybody praising these kids and, um, you know, being given the world, it's very easy to get complacent. Mm-hmm. and you know you're 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 at the stadium you're tired and it's you know i'm just going to go ahead and go on home but then you think back and it's like you know the disrespect and all the things that have been happening you know that that that's when he goes that extra distance and says you know what i'm gonna sit right here and i'm gonna watch film i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for another hour or i'm gonna you know things like that which go a long way in terms of of play on Saturday. So, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very much added motivation and he definitely sees it. And I think that's just going to, you know, really help him continue to work and put in that extra time just, you know, to prove everybody wrong.
3: Yeah. I I think that, I mean, the way that he ended the year last year was really phenomenal. It was, um, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Let's call it what it is. I'm not scared to say that. I know some people are, we're not, Because he was, Um, you know, he's got a new offensive court. It's all, you know, it sounds strange to say this and and Carolina fans will chuckle when I do, but that's because they've had a front row seat for the last couple of years as as to what the offense looked like. But if there wasn't a change at OC, let's say that Marcus Satterfield was returning for his third season and it was status quo and Rattler ended the year the way that he did, he probably actually would get a little bit more hype in the preseason right now. But uh, the fact that they have a change at offensive coordinator, uh, to Dowell Loggins, who still amongst the national media and a lot of these voters is widely unknown of who that even is, I think that that's probably help, helped helped um, helped you know simmer a lot of those expectations and accolades, Mike. And then on top of that, though, like, I, I again. Like, you look up the road at Kentucky, and everybody, they can't help, but but here we go again, gush over another transfer quarterback into the Wildcats program, not to be disrespectful to Will Levis, but Devin Leary's going to come save the day, and, oh, Liam Cohen's back, and these guys are going to win everything, and Mark Stoops has finally got it figured out, and the whole nine yards, it's, I don't know, it's a strange ordeal. Everybody couldn't wait to give Shane Beamer all these props last year, but yet nobody wants to give his quarterback any props walking into the year with an offensive coordinator whose track record dwarfs that of the old one. And um, t- I think I agree with you. I think going into the year, Spencer Rattler, much like Shane Beamer, is keeping receipts.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's why this time of the year is always called talking season. And it's so easy to talk people up and talk teams up and talk the, the depth up and what you got coming back. And, you know, it's easy to talk about these kind of things and really look back at what, happened the previous year but you don't see what's really gone on between the end of that season with winter workouts spring practice summer workouts and then into camp um how these guys are really coming together how they gel as a team really just everything inside the locker room you don't really see that I mean I remember you know specifically this I remember watching on the SEC network uh Chris Doring was going through Kentucky going into last year and just all the hype and everything surrounding it. I think he had them going like eleven and one or ten and two or something like 11, something like that. And, one. and I just yeah. like I remembered that because I kept that in the back of my head. I'm like, I just you know I don't see it. Um, you know, in looking at the other programs around the SEC and what their schedule looked like. So yeah, I think there's a big reason this is called talking season. Um, like Coach Burry used to always re- refer to it as. But you know, once we get to that first game and 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 the the lights come on the pads go on and you get out there on on that field, it's a completely different ball game. And that's where things change. I mean, there's a lot out there in the media and a lot of people get paid good money to, you know, talk about, you know, the sec to talk about college football in general, and there's gotta be things to hype up and things like that. So I think that's just part of it. Um, You know, I think the transfer portal pretty much magnifies that. And you look at Florida state, what people are talking about at Florida state and, you know, adding Jaheen bell and, all these guys, but you know, to be honest, I think South Carolina is in a better situation this year at tight end than we were last year. All you know, with everything together, with depth and the type of personnel you have, and you know what these guys are willing to do, and the versatility, flexibility they do have, in the camaraderie. Um, you know, I, I just yeah, this, it's going to be it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a long season. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, and you'll see a lot of what was talked about. Going into the season, kind of comparing it to what happens, and I think it looks completely different. To be honest, yeah, it's Michael. interesting.
2: I think that you know we. I feel like Beamer likes to operate from the you know forgot about <laughs> you know not no expect low expectations kind of thing you know to where we can just continue to surpass because he has in the first two seasons of South Carolina you know overproduced period i mean they 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 weren't picked to win what two or three games his first season seven <laughs> you yep. know picked to win what five and a half last year eight mm-hmm. so it's like you got to think spencer takes on some of that mentality from his head coach correct i mean that's got to filter out throughout the entire roster and coaching
0: oh, staff there's no there's no doubt about it uh to be honest i mean you look at And I go back to this last year when we thought everything was hitting the fan and, you know, we were losing games. We had no business losing. And, you know, we had Tennessee and Clemson on the horizon. And, you know, Coach Beamer stayed the course with his message. He never veered from his vision of a program and, you know, find some joy and, you know, continuing to stay positive and keep a positive outlook. And, you know what, he wouldn't trade anybody in that locker room for anybody else outside of it. He knows what he's got in a program. And that's been the best part about watching the first couple of years going into the third year is that Coach Beamer's never strayed from his vision and and what, he's, and what this program is about and the culture and the type of players that he recruits, the camaraderie, like everything. He's never strayed from that. And so I think that's a big part of why – he's been able to do what he's been able to do is, is a big, is, is huge um, to be honest. And that's been the best part about seeing all this. And these guys on these guys on the team have taken on his mentality and kind of the personality that he has regarding the program. I think that's why we've been able to, to, to see success so early and be able to, you know, be able to win some ball games when everybody else in the country, you know, didn't believe or, or didn't think we could. And so, you know, so like I said, I've, I've seen a lot of the, the, uh, those uh, projections about over under on games. I wish I was a betting man the last couple of years because I probably would I would have won a little bit of money, but uh, <laughs> but no, no you would um, You know, had
3: you bet, had you bet, they wouldn't have won those games. You know, how it works.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Exactly right. Like, yeah,
3: yeah. Now we would have all fallen on the sword for Carolina. Uh Mike, one of the things that's going to continue to prepare Spencer Rattler for the 2023 football season is the Gamecock defense. And they they they're they're I think increasingly more optimistic that by the day that this unit is going to maybe be a little bit better than than recent units and also than as advertised. Um we know what the knowns are. We know the fact that they return maybe the best safety in the league, a uh, former All-American, although, although there's – once again, here we go, some of these preseason polls. No Nick Eamon Worry in the All-SEC preseason team. Guy was an All-American last year. Can't crack the three deep this year. Okay. Um, DQ Smith, you, you know, they love where Marcellus Dial is. When I say they love, I know that is a very, very uh, – kindly used word a lot they do though and and they're really excited about o'donnell Fortune, the biggest thing with those guys mike was making sure that they understood how good they were can you believe that like that's literally what the staff was trying to tell them dude you're good act like it be a jerk out there act like a jackass from time to time hit him in the mouth and stand over him like swearinger did like you can do it um it's a linebacker core that is probably the most physical they've had around here in a while and then I think the question mark has been what's what's it going to look like up front, Mike? But they've got guys who are having really good camps, uh, including a six year defensive end Tyreek Johnson. So, all in all, I know that you're not you know on the beat and you're not in the in the locker room every day seeing the things that happen. But uh, this defense, based on what we've heard, is a, a pretty fundamentally sound to this point, and I think that's that's a that's a pretty good sign.
0: Yeah, this this year, this defense is kind of one of the more intriguing and interesting defenses, you know, kind of the outlook going into the season from a personnel standpoint because, you know, there's a lot of unknown in this defense, I think, with a lot of the guys that are, that are you know, going to be in that starting lineup or the two deep. But I think that goes back to Coach Beamer building the roster the right way to where you have guys that go to the NFL or that have been playing – and been starting as older guys that graduate and move on. And then these younger guys who have gotten reps and who have been backups now step up and and are starters, you know, and that's how you build a program and how you build depth is, you know, you got guys who have played as, as freshmen, they have contributed, they've been on special teams, they played meaningful snaps. And then as the older guys graduate, go to the NFL or go pro, you know, whatever it may be, those younger guys who are now maturing and getting older are now stepping into those starting roles, but you haven't really seen a lot of them, you know, especially like O'Donnell fortune. Um, You got some guys up front like TJ Sanders. You got, um, you know, the, some of the different guys that have like O'Donnell fortune who have played meaningful snaps, who have, who have been good so far, but you haven't gotten a huge sample size of, of what they can do. But, as you've seen, you know Marcellus Style, O'Donnell, Fortune, what they've been able to do in camp, um, the kind of kind of the height they've gotten, and they've been really good so far. They've had good springs, and you really see the talent that they have. Even at linebacker, you got um, you know Stone Blanton. I know Mo Kaba is coming off coming off injury, but you know that's one of the guys I'm really really looking forward to because he reminds me of kind of of an Ernest Jones. Watching him play last year, how physical he is. He puts wow. his nose in there. He's not afraid to take on a take on a block, head up, shed a block, and make a tackle. Um, you know, he's one of the one of the guys I'm most looking forward to to this year is is, is Mo Caban coming back from that injury because I think he can be one of the one of the more special players on this defense that really is the anchor um, of this defense. But you know, when you got guys like that coming back, um, you know, at safety, uh, Nicky Mawari, DQ Smith, um, you know, it's huge. But the depth behind those guys, you look back last year at the Tennessee game when Peyton Williams had to step in as a true freshman, not really playing at all, and played a heck of a game in the second half, you know, coming into just a pass-happy offense that's trying to sling it all over the park. And so that's, you know, that's what's been the fun part about watching this defense over the course of the last couple years is the depth that they've been able to build. And then as, you know, year over year, that depth – continue it's it you know it continues the course and those guys who were lower on the depth chart early on in their career have developed have worked hard and now step into those starting roles and then become those all sec type players that can go pro can get drafted that um you know and i love seeing that and this is kind of one of those first years that we've seen it um, Mm -hmm. along the lines of the depth of those younger guys that have been here are now stepping into these starting roles And it's a little bit of an unknown, but they have all the talent in the world. It's just they were playing behind guys who, you know, are now in the NFL, in Darius Rush and uh, and Cam Smith. And so that's going to be the fun part about watching this year. I think the two guys up front that I think are going to take massive steps forward that I'm really looking forward to is, you know, Tonka Hemingway and Alex Huntley. I think those two guys are primed for big years. I think the versatility of Tonka Hemingway, being able to move him inside or outside yeah. Being able to do different things up front, from a uh, you know from a uh, a uh, form you know formation of you know your front seven, whether you have a three man front, four man front, moving guys around, um, you know putting Tonka outside on def- at, at a, a defensive end in, in in some packages, and you know the versatility that he brings, I think is is phenomenal. Um, and I think those two guys are primed to really have big years this year, and and that's going to be the fun part, I think. One of the most intriguing young guys I'm looking forward to seeing, and and how they how he is used is is Grayson Howard, with how big he looks. Just in pictures with you know guys you see on social media, he is a big kid, and it's like he's growing into like an edge rusher, and you know use and, and on specialty down you know specialty type pass rush situations where you see him lined up on the you know on the field outside at linebacker. Um, he's one of the more intriguing guys I'm really looking forward to seeing in this defense, but I I really think this defense is going to be better than what people have them, uh, you know, what people think is going to happen. And, uh, you know, utilizing that depth that we've been able to build, is going to be, it's going to be fun to watch this year.
3: Well, it's kind of, it's almost unfair. I don't know if I call it unfair. That's not, that's not a fair statement actually, but they're going to have two pretty immediate tests with North Carolina and Georgia in, you know, in week three. I mean, it's, we're going to know where their weaknesses are uh, and where their strengths are probably rather quickly, Mike. I, I think one of the, I think how healthy Mo Cabba and Jordan Strawn can get before the start of the season is is pretty pretty crucial. To be honest, I mean, you, even if they get healthy the day before the game, okay, they're good to go. They, they've missed a ton of time. Strawn has been out there, and so has Mo, and we expect them to play. But those two guys, I mean, if if everything was considered equal, okay, everybody's healthy you know, uh, this whole group, this is the group we've got, but everybody's healthy. If you said outside of the known, pick, you know, uh, Nick Emanwari, take him out, go ahead and take DQ Smith out, who are the best players you've got on defense? I would circle Mokaba and Jordan Strong, and those are the two that have been banged up.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think when those injuries happened early last year, kind of earlier in the season, it's given them some time to, to really heal and and rehab the right way, not try to rush back too quickly. Really being able to get yourself physically prepared, you know, from a from a health standpoint, physically and mentally. I mean, it's tough coming back from those injuries because the first times you really go full speed, it's it's in the back of your mind and you're really thinking about it. And those guys having the time through spring, you know, through fall, through winter workouts, through fall, uh, you know, camp is is huge mentally not you know and I think that's a that's some of the that's once you get into the game the game time and that game atmosphere that's where it tends to slow you down as you 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 think about it more than than you than than you should because you're healthy but it's just right there in the back of your mind and so being able to get those reps in the summer being able to get you know those reps in in winter workouts and all that I think is is huge for those guys and getting to a hundred percent and not getting to a hundred percent you know, more so game one, but being hundred percent in camp, but getting yourself back physically and mentally. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it when you're off your, you know, when you're off that leg for so long, you really got to build up, not just your knee, but you got to build up your hamstring muscles, the quad muscles, all the other muscles that are there and because you haven't used it. And so it's not really just the knee, but it's, it's really everything. It's the whole leg that you have to kind of build back up, not only mentally, uh, or not only physically but mentally as well, and so you know the I think the amount of time that's gone by has really allowed those those guys that that time to 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 physically and mentally heal to where they're actually a full hundred percent, you know come come game one.
3: All right, let's let you give us some uh, some X's and O's and um, and some ins and outs of how the thing works here. The this is not surprising in any way, shape, or form, but some of the uh, reporting being done by our friends at the Big Spur over the last week plus about Nick Harbor, or that he, you know, he's he's fine, he's going to play, and he's really freaking good and fast. And this kid is going to be a difference maker for South Carolina. He also is a freshman, and he has never stepped on the field before with a guy facing him named O'Donnell Fortune or Marcellus Dial saying, yeah, big boy, I know you're fast, but my job is to make sure that you can't get off the line of scrimmage. Mike, what does it take for a freshman wide receiver to figure that out? You know, what are those defensive backs doing? If you can explain that in football talk for us. Um, to to prevent a guy with elite speed, and not everybody has the speed of Nick Harbor. I'm just saying, in general, wide receivers do have elite speed, or most of them. Uh, to prevent a guy from getting off – what does that do to the play? How does that throw off the timing? What are the techniques that they use? And what do wide receivers need to do to get around that?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that was one of the things kind of we talked last week about, you know, some of the challenges that Nick Harbor going to face. And one of the things i said was, you know, getting off getting off press coverage, getting off the line of scrimmage. Because it, it's, it's something that he's probably never really had to do before. Because a lot of teams in high school probably played off because of the speed and, you know, gave him everything underneath. But now you got – you know, guys that are physical that can get up on the line of scrimmage and really jam you because you're not used to doing it. And it, you know, completely throws off the play from a timing standpoint with the quarterback um, and the drop or a quick game. Because if you're not able to get into that route, it throws everything off, whether it's some sort of combo route or, um, you know, a a, a route where you're looking to get somebody the ball quick. And so it completely really throws everything off. But I think the main thing for him is is – really understanding his size and utilizing his size and being physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, a lot of times you try to use, you know, your footwork and your hands to kind of juke off the, off the ball. And and when you do that to try and get around a guy, you really got to get outside of his framework at some point and then get back to where you want to be. It's not just about moving your feet and shaking your shoulders and all that. It's about, you know, moving, Laterally to get outside that that defensive back's framework off the line of scrimmage to make him commit one way or another and then get back around, um, and that that that's a big thing and that takes a lot. You know, it, it's a lot of learned learned um, techniques that you need in using your feet footwork. Along with your hands to sm- to to keep those guys' hands from jamming you up inside you you know inside the pads because once they're like what what are they hands-
3: doing like what are they doing are they hold are they trying to are they trying to grab them they're trying to hold them they swatting them. what are they doing
0: it's a little it's it's grabbing it's a little bit of grabbing but just keeping your hands as long as that defensive back stays in front and has their hands on you it's really hard to get around because you're out leveraged at that point it's, ju- it's just like being a lineman as an offensive tackle you want to keep your hands inside of that defensive lineman inside of that defensive lineman's, I guess, chest plate or the the the, the pads because once that defensive lineman gets his hands inside on you, it's it's tough to recover from that. And it's just like playing on the outplaying receiver. You know, the defensive back's gonna be in front of you and they're gonna try to jam you and try to stay in front of you and mirror what you do to keep to keep them on the line of scrimmage or keep that pass route disrupted. Let's just say you're trying to run a slant and you you can't get off the ball and the defensive back's jumping it. That's you know that's 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 it an interception so a lot of it is getting outside the framework of that defensive back to make him commit one way or another and getting back the other way and using the footwork uh using your hands to knock as that defensive back tries to put his hands and jam you not being able to knock those hands down to get around and that's the one thing that you know can be a huge benefit to to nick harbour is his size is he can come off the ball and be physical he may not necessarily have the technique or the quickness to get it to you know to get those guys to commit one way or another because it's you know it's a lot of it is natural but it's also learned as well. You have to really focus on 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 what you do off the ball. But being able to use that size to to get physical and move those guys out of the way and then get over top. Um, that's one thing if if he can get off the ball and teams are going to play press coverage, that's 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 how you take the top off right there with a guy that has that kind of speed is being able to get off the ball in press coverage if they're not going to have a whole lot of help over the top. Or if it's going to be a single high safety over the top, um, when you got other guys that can run like a Marion Brown, Xavier Leggett, and and guys like that that can induce Wells that can that can also take the top off. So it's going to be fun seeing how we utilize kind of Harbor getting down the field, but also like you said, uh, getting press co- getting off press coverage is, is critical. And you know you can use motions, shifts, and things like that to help uh, to help him with that and not seeing as much press type coverage. You know, if he is struggling getting off the ball when, you know, come come week one, if there is some challenges, you, you can move him around the formation with motions and shifts and things like that to to really help, um, you know, get him out of those situations. But it does take some time. It's learned. But I think once he you once he realizes how to be physical with the size he has, it's going to be it's going to be tough.
3: All right, final, you got 30 seconds to answer this. Uh, The defensive backs for South Carolina with what they're going up here against in the preseason, Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett, Trey Knox, we'll wait to hear what his injury is, but it it sounds minimal. Uh, Josh Simon, Marion Brown, Nick Carver, and on and on and on. They're going up against some elite guys and some big guys, by the way, that can move. Uh, What what is that doing for them to get them prepared for the season?
0: Uh, It's preparing them to take on some of the best in the league and some of the best receiver units and tight end units in the league. But, you know, playing against that physicality and that speed every day just prepares you for, for that week one and just the, the grind of the season in, in general. Those guys have been doing it all year. Um, you know, I think that's where some of that confident, confidence should come in and O'Donnell Fortune realizing and Marcellus Dial realizing how good those guys they go up against every day really are. And when you get into week one and you're like, man, I really am pretty good. I really do have it Uh, when you're going up against units that are, that are nowhere near the type of talent that you face every day in practice. um, It makes you better and prepares you for the best. And I think you look at Marcellus dial and what happened last year from where he started the season to where he finished it. A lot of teams were picking on him and, you know, the way he performed down the stretch last year was, was huge. And one of some football games, you go back and look at the Clemson game. And I think that's the confidence boost that you get in going up against those guys consistently it's kind of what you saw in Marcellus Dow that second half of, of the year last year. And being a JUCO guy that came in not knowing kind of what to expect and that level of talent that you face day in and day out. And I think that's what you'll see this year with those guys. And I think that's what's pre- what prepared Nicky Memori and D.Q. Smith so well going into last season was facing those guys. And that's why I think you've seen some of these freshmen that are, re- that are really coming along get better a, lot, a little bit quicker than what they normally would have to be prepared for for week one.
3: Torian Gray is something special back there, coaching that secondary man. And uh, there's a new guy that you know named Travian Robertson running the guys up front. Can't wait to see what that group looks like underneath him. We'll let you run. Go get your haircut or whatever you are planning to do today. Get it curled. Get a perm. And Get a perm. Yeah. We're getting close, Mike. Only about uh, two, two more weeks, and then we'll have a game preview. Finally, to discuss on the Friday before the trip to Charlotte, it's going to be a fun one. Can't wait! Can't wait! I'll holler at you later on, brother. Wonderful stuff as always.
0: All right, guys, I'll have a good one. Go, Cox.
3: There you go, Wando's world with the well-groomed Michael Flint, (laughs) or as we like to joke with him in uh, from the movie uh, Old School.
2: Very handsome, very.
3: Uh, yeah, let's see, what else? Can I get? Very wealthy, very wealthy. Very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> the guys, rich as you can get. He wakes up at six in the morning. Takes good care of his body. <laughs> Loves wine, ladies. They don't make him better than the original one nine. That's for sure. <laughs> oh
2: man. Oh, all something. right it's been a week man
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm not done i've still got about three more hours of work to get through four more hours of work to get through here and then my wife and i are going to go uh, have dinner for our anniversary today so
2: oh well happy, happy anniversary Nice a little weekend
3: planned here yep appreciate right. that happy yeah. uh 50th birthday weekend to our friend craig too he's hanging around out there somewhere that's right.
2: Uh, thanks. the apps today in the chat box. Hopefully he's having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> no, there they, he's, well, he's I, in there a few times. There, there you go. Uh, I guess
3: uh, Clint's been out of here today, too. So I guess without JC, you know, some of these guys it's have Friday. got to find other things to do. It's
2: Friday.
3: All right. Thanks to Michael Haney and Michael Flint and all of our wonderful guests this week. John Whittle and Pat DeMarco will lead us off on Monday. We get closer and closer and closer. There are... High school football jamborees all over the Palmetto State and beyond. We hope you, if you're heading to one, enjoy those as football is inching closer at all levels. For Phil, I'm JB, live from the Cinerama Studios and built by the Barn Co. The Chief Sports Network has presented Inside the Gamecocks the show. Make sure you download the all-new Chief Sports app, and we'll see you Monday right here.